Bonnaby is the premier podcast spotlighting people of color. Every week, we talk news, what we've been playing, and tell you who's invited to the cookout. Our show is all about talking about gaming through a prism of blackness because we are the culture. Welcome to Bukaka, y'all. What up, what up, what up, everybody in Chicago? What the D.O.B.? This is the Spawn of Me podcast with Khalif Adams. I hope you are all doing very, very well. I hope you are social distancing. I hope you are washing your hands, washing your butt. I hope you are keeping yourselves sane during all this madness in the world. But I do want to say, again, thank you very, very much for taking time to rock with us here on Twitch, here in podcast land, and all the places that you reside while being in our lovely place of Chicago. Again, I am super excited to have you all here. And again, thank you for listening to all the episodes that we've been putting out during all this madness. We've gotten so much good, goodwill uh, from so many different folks about not only the essence of what we're trying to do here in Chicago, but with the, um, you know, just trying to continue to push out good content that 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 means something to people um, in a time when there's a lot of not great content out there in the world. So uh, we continue to hopefully push on and make good dope stuff for y'all here in Chicago and outside of those fences. So if you have not had a chance to check out our dope show with Aaron Ashley Simon uh, from Venn TV, formerly of Cheddar Esports, so many different places, please make sure you go check out that show because it was a lot of dope gems that got dropped uh, on that episode. So it is one of my one of my favorite, favorite ones we've done so far this year. Um, Aaron just continues to have great energy and uh, is a, a, we're big fans of, of her work here in Chicago. So make sure you're checking out that work. We continue to roll on with some really dope guests uh, in 2020. I am actually really super, super excited about who we have on this week, because when you think about folks who are up and comers in the space, folks who have been doing it and doing it well for a long period of time, um, I think of our, our host, I mean, I think of our guest this week, hopefully she'll host the show at some point. That would be actually pretty fantastic. I would love that actually. Um, coming to Bercago for the first time ever, we have co-founder of Combo Queens. We have the purple Sharpie, Sheila Moore. I am so excited again to have you rocking with us on the show this week. Mad love to you in the chat. Mad love to you everywhere you go. Uh, Sharpie, thank you so much for coming through and rocking tonight with us. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's been such a long time. I've been trying to get on the show. I know we've been talking <laughs> and it's just, I know you're busy. I get it, but I am so thankful to like finally be here. It's a huge mile marker for me. So I'm, I'm very, very excited to be on a podcast that's hosted uh, so many talented guests and has been so such a, such a, I want to say a cornerstone and the gaming community in general. It's really genuinely a pleasure. That is that is amazingly kind of you. And um, we talked a little bit pre-show about just, you know, you know, the space and talking about, you know, the wonderful work that you've been doing. Again, I'm really excited to have you on because I think again, and that's not me trying to blow smoke, um, but I feel like when I when I see you talking about things on social media and on Twitter, where I see most of your work, the energy that you have is fantastic. I think that the the way that you're looking at the space is also really refreshing in lots of different ways, because to be honest, there's a lot of boo birds in the space right now. There's mad people who are just like mad negative people who are just like trying to continue to put that energy out in the world. And it's been nice to see you be not only the, the, the best reflections of yourself in the work that you do, but it's also been fantastic to see you just bring really fantastic energy to the space, which I, which I love and, and, and adore. And I thank you for, 
for continuing to do that work because I think it's very necessary in this space. So, so Sharpie, thank you for that. Uh, and again, thank you for, for, for coming on the show. And I'm really happy we found out. Uh, you're really gassing me up right now. I wasn't actually, I was actually not ready for any of that. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> no, I, 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 I'm serious about that. I'm, I know I'm, we... I know we talked a lot pre-show, but that was just, I was still not expecting that. <laughs> I look, I, I again, I don't blow smoke. I, I only bring people on the show who I think are dope and, and like people who are moving and shaking in the space. And I think, you know, the future is very bright for you, but I don't want to talk necessarily just about the future yet because we haven't gotten to the current and of course the past, because that's people who may not know your work. You want to make sure that they understand what you have done into this space. I am super familiar with some of your work because I am a big FGC fan um, and mm -hmm. saw the work that you were doing with Combo Queens. Um, talk to the folks at home a little bit about not only, you know, how that became a thing, but how you kind of got into the space in general. Yeah. Um, so for those of you who don't know, I am a large uh, I'm a large, large advocate of the FGC or the fighting game community. Um, it's known in the gaming community as being this location where mostly people that like to play by themselves and compete against other people uh, exist. It's mostly people of color inside of that area. The fighting game community originally birthed out of arcades um, and kind of grew into the console game as like Street Fighter came out and Marvel versus Capcom came out. And I actually joined the FGC originally with Super Smash Brothers Melee. And then I moved in with Skullgirls. And that's really the game that's kind of kept me here. And that's the game that I've grown the most with. Um, a lot of my work with Skullgirls includes I started streaming Skullgirls I ran a large uh, Skullgirls tournament. I uh, organized a, a community-run tournament that was hosted on Smash GG and backed by Stream.me at the time and hosted pop bonuses for offline tournaments and online tournaments literally across the globe. Um, and then after that, I became recognized as an in instrumental part inside of just my local community. I started running local events at an offline location called Xanadu Games, and I became uh, one of the very first female tournament organizers that they had at that location, which was amazing. Um, from there, I was actually approached by Carolyn uh, Dow, otherwise known as the Mama Dow. And she mm. actually approached both me and Emily, otherwise known as Jamillion, as becoming founders for Co uh, Combo Queens, which is a an organization that functions inside of the fighting game community to empower women, non-binary, and people who identify as female um, inside of specifically the fighting game community um, to be better versions of themselves and to show them that even if they don't compete, if they just enjoy watching the game, if they're behind the scenes, there's still a spot for them. And so it's just a fantastic place for people um, that identify as such to just meet other people that to show them that, hey, we do exist. We do. We do. We are here and we're more than happy to like branch out and network. It's a fantastic organization. That I'm very happy to be a part of. Yeah. Um, and that's a, a little bit more about me. <laughs> no, I mean, that's 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 awesome, because, again, like as a person who loves the FGC and, and on the low, I'm a big MK fan, but I really rep Skullgirls a lot. I'm bad at it. I'm really bad at it. Um, yeah, that's fair. Which is, which you is, know, uh, to be honest, the very first fighting game I ever actually took seriously before I competed was Mortal Kombat Deadly Alliance. Was it really? I played Frost. Yeah, no lie. That was oh. the very first fighting game that I put real, real time into that I started actually learning mechanics with. I would stay up 
all night after I finished my homework, I would finish it early. My dad would let me go downstairs. I get on the PS2 and I just sit right there, go buy Frost. And then I go through her entire story mode. I learned impale combos. I would learn the dash combos. There was a special specific corner combo that you could do that would break uh, Shao Kahn's area. You could drop down to the second section and everything like that was kind of like low-key Tekken-ish before, before Tekken 4 was like super, super mainstream. Like I was on that. I was oh. on that. <laughs> but I, I didn't compete because I didn't know that was a thing you could do. And I was like 11 or 12 at the time. But like, it was it was a lot of fun. I yeah. completely understand the vibes. <laughs> no, that's 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 awesome. And I mean, it's, it's one of those things where I'm just like, damn it. We, I mean, we're going to I feel like we have to bring you on just to talk about FGC stuff at some point one day. Like, definitely got to talk about that because I feel like. Oh, it'd be great. Th- there's great. so much. But, yeah, we're focusing, we're focusing on. I completely understand. <laughs> I mean, that could be a whole other show that's literally just about that stuff. And, you know, we can dip and dive into that stuff uh, if, if the if the conversation allows for it. But. Of course. One of the things that I wanted to bring you on to the show for was there's been so many conversations that I see often in the social spaces that we both reside in where not only POC folks, but especially black folks have been continuing to have the conversations around, you know, how do we get bigger into these spaces? Like the space is huge, right? The, the industry is very, very big, but it feels like we can only occupy a small sliver of that space to feel safe, to feel like we are still engaging with and connecting with our own cultures and also making sure that we're not kind of just like uh, doing it for the gram in a lot of different ways, right? Where it's like the energy needs to feel authentic Authentic. in lots of different ways. And I think that Mm -hmm. I saw you talking about this online in in a couple of different spaces. And I I was like, oh, we got to talk to Sharpie about you know, not only her thoughts about some of this stuff, but like, you know, how does that kind of connect to not only the work that she's doing, but what she wants to do kind of in the in the future? And I think, you know, I've seen you talk a lot in, in, in recent weeks about personal growth, about not only how you want to kind of bring that to the table and, and showcase that stuff, but it, you've been talking about that in ways outwardly where you're able to give other folks a little bit of good advice in that space, too. I want to dig into that conversation around personal growth, because I think it is very important uh, as a good foundation for the rest of the conversation, for sure. But uh, oh, 100%, I, I want to yeah. hear your thoughts about, you know, how to, how you're looking at growth for yourself. Are you looking at growth in the space and, the, and, and, you know, what kind of advice you would give to other folks who are having that kind of internal strife uh, about those kinds of things? Well, my first, my first, I think the first thing that you have to establish when you look at your own personal growth is you have to look at the current environment that you're in Mm. and you have to ask yourself, are there currently problems that are hindering my own growth inside of my current environment? You have to be very, very realistic. You have to be very, very truthful with yourself. You have to have that hard conversation Mm. about who you are inside of that space. You know what I mean? Um, Very often, especially, and I'm going to use gaming as an example because I'm so comfortable speaking about gaming um, in general, very often inside of gaming, we don't see people of color reflected at all Mm. inside of it. And if they do exist, it's, it's very much so, I want to say, a token symbolism of i feel like people of color there's a very specific type of person that people are comfortable seeing as i have that space if they are people of color and it's very very obvious 
to, I think, other Black people, other Hispanic people, other people of color when they see that because they understand, okay, naturally, this is where I'm allowed to exist and this is the capacity that I'm allowed to exist in. And so the very first thing is understanding um, and addressing problems that exist in that environment. Are you the person that they want there? And when I say they, I mean the majority, the people that control that space, the people that created that space, you know what I mean? And then you have to determine whether or not um, that environment is conductive to your personal growth. Because if the answer Mm. is I'm not what they're looking for here, no, that environment's not gonna be conductive to you at all. It doesn't matter if you change yourself to be that model, someone else will inherently already be that model and they're gonna get that before you do because they're already everything that you've tried to change yourself to be. So you just wasted all this energy and all of this time into turning yourself into somebody else for no for no payoff. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, so yeah, acknowledging the problems, acknowledging the issues that the space has inherently is the very first step to changing um, to changing an environment and to growing as a person. And so you also have to be very, very, I say realistic with this because you have to understand what can you personally change about the environment to make it conductive to you? Can you change the fact that, uh, you know, can, can you can, can you create something that will allow people that look like you to actively have a higher chance, like at a, at a marginally higher cost to create that space? Well, if, if, if a community is 50% um, people of color and 50% non-people of color. Can you do anything to change that uh, 10% to 40% higher? Can you personally do that? No? Okay, that's fine. Figure out what possibly could turn that table and then just table that idea. You know what I mean? Okay, yeah. maybe I can't change that now, but if that if I ever see this happen, that will cause that chance to increase greatly and I need to remember that. You know what I mean? Because there are things outside of our control that we literally can never do. But sometimes, you know, lightning strikes and you need to be ready for it. You need to acknowledge moments that could happen for that to occur. You know what I mean? Oh, um, I think of a really big example of this is um, I want to pull out actually Aisha Tyler, um, who is a comedian. She's an actress. She's a director. She is a host. And most notably, I feel like inside of the gaming sphere, she's known um, not just for her acting work that she's done inside of shows such as Friends, um, a couple of movies, and even in like some of her voice acting work. She's known very, very much so, I believe, to a lot of people for hosting E3 Ubisoft um, back in, I don't remember what year it is. I apologize. I think it was like 2013, 2014 or something like that. Uh, But she's very known inside the gaming sphere for that um that was kind of like a blip on the radar of her coming up and everything that she faced a lot of challenges prior to that but one of the things that i felt uh, she's a longtime inspiration of mine uh but one of the things that uh that a lot of people don't know about her is she has been grinding since the 90s to be inside of this space Mm -hmm. she just started blowing up after she did friends and like 2003, yeah. she was working for for over 14 years, yep. basically on things. And before she finally was able to come into a space where she was taken a little bit seriously. And uh, one of the things I wanted to uh, actually showcase, and I know we have a clip of it, yeah, but yeah. I want to show some of her earlier work that she did inside of, uh, this was actually the very first moment I ever saw her. It was a comedy special that she did. And uh, the, this this song was something that she made uh, as an introduction to her comedy special. And I want to just call attention to it because it's so different from what other um, black comedians were doing at the time. Yeah. And so she kind of tries to address the fact that she is black without calling on too many other tropes that other black comedians used um, 
and and try to try to establish herself as black while also being humorous about it but i feel like the lens that she had to do it in was so personal she wasn't able to do it properly so it comes off even more sarcastic and even more as a joke and somewhat self-loathing than i feel like she intended because the voice that she was given here to speak wasn't conductive to who she was as a person um uh, so i would absolutely yeah. love if we could play that right here <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah we're gonna we're gonna play that clip right about now That was that was kind of brilliant. That was it super was. that was super dope. I think I, I agree. I mean, it's one of those things and, and for the folks who are listening on the Twitch side of it, it was a little bit low, but we'll we'll boost that up in post. But I think again, it speaks to the conversations about how you not only adapt to a space, but again, you're constantly being aware of of that space too i think i think you also had a, a clip that was um from donald glover too that you you kind of talked about yes. as well oh yeah expand, expand on that I a wanna, um, so donald glover i originally um found him i want to say even though he existed very obviously very predominantly in the space prior to me finding him um he is a comedian he is a writer he is a singer songwriter he's a director uh, but originally he was a part of a comedy trope on youtube known as Derek comedy and one of the very first sketches that i saw him in was not necessarily the one i'm going to showcase to you today but a different one um this is actually one of their most viewed videos on youtube um, on, on their show. And one of the reasons why I wanted to highlight it was because Donald Glove is a very, very funny individual, right? Who just happens to be black. That's literally his whole thing. So he just, <laughs> he's very talented. He's very funny. He's very, very, very relatable. He just happens to be black. And so everyone views him as a black man before any of his talents. Yeah. And that's always hindered him. Um, inside of this specific clip, uh, this video actually showcases him uh, with other members of his comedic troupe, uh, going over a, a moment where, uh, where, where he is the black man in the room, right? And he mm. has to provide that black voice. And the reason why I bring it out is not because he seems uncomfortable doing this, but because it's so uncharacteristic of his humor. Uh, you know what I mean? It's yeah. very obvious that there was an idea and that they exclusively were like, okay, well, that'll be funny. Let's get Donald to do it because he's black. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's very much so that. And I feel like a lot of times, this is an instance of something that's not gaming, by the way, this is comedy. Very often people see you and then they assign that title to you regardless of your talents. And this, this, this moment is a fantastic moment because it showcases how how even if that doesn't come off funny to us, 
other people, non people of color, non black people will see it mm. and think it's humorous just because of how awkward it is. Because when they're in that, when they're in that, uh, when they're when they're in a moment like that, they just think it's funny. They're like, haha, yeah, of course, because you're black. That's that's the joke. The joke is that you are black. There's no other joke. It's just that you're black. And so yeah. this is offensive to you type yeah, of thing. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of that in comedy. There's a lot of that in gaming. There's a lot of that in other spheres where um, black people aren't as prevalent, you know? Um, yeah. And so yeah. I just thought it was a very good clip to show that uh, he still tried. You know what I mean? There was still an attempt made, but uh, it's not personally, I don't feel as like his his humor here was as authentic because he felt like he had to address it as just a black person, not yeah. as a comedian, not as a person. He was just this talking point, basically, was, uh, I think, the point of this clip. But I, yeah, let's play it. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's, yeah, let's play it. And I want, I want to dig back into that conversation because I think there's a lot of a lot of meat on that bone. But let's, there's let's, a lot. Let's, let's, yeah, let's let's play that clip really quick. Can't wait to hear it. I really do believe in your slogan. There are two places that people like to go: Walmart and Six Flags. <laughs> All right, I'll catch you guys later. Thanks All right. a lot. Did he just say the slogan right? Yeah, for the campaign. There are two places that people like to go, Walmart and Six Flags. Oh, because I had misheard it. Oh, no. Will it affect the presentation? It shouldn't. So, let's see what you boys got. Mr. Peterson, the first thing we'd like to play for you is the jingle we recorded that we'll be playing in radio spots across the country. There are two places black people like to go, and that's Walmart and Six Flags. It sounded like... He said black. No. Pretty sure he said black. Well, that was just the first take of it. Oh, or, yeah, that's the first take. That's just the actor finding the words. There are two places black people like to go, and that, you know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Can we take that back? I want to do this again. I don't think I'm hitting the B hard enough in the word black. I'm saying black, but I'm trying to say black. Black. Positive, he said black. Yeah, I, I, I think I think again that's that conversation, right? Where it's mm -hmm. the the idea around, and I, and I and I my term for this is palatable blackness, right? Yep. Which is that space where you can only be black enough in the version of blackness that I find to be the most least uh, the least threatening to the space, to the conversation, to you know the ideas in which a in a industry or a a, a space has been founded so i i mean i know just in my own personal life that i have come up against this often because we have that conversation of palatable blackness that then goes up with uh uh with code switching and wearing the mask and and all those things that in, in incorporate the black experience especially when you come into professional spaces Mm -hmm. The the I, I love those two pieces that you shared with me because it is that constant, excuse me, that constant battle that we all wind up fighting. Um, and I want to dig into the 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 versions of that that we see in the gaming spaces, right? Where I think we see that in the characters that we that we get a chance to play, we see that in the yep. media versions that we get a chance to to see from a from a, a content creator perspective, from a person who is b doing this work. Um, in, in real ways out in the public space. What have you been doing to shield yourself from those things? What have you been doing to counteract those things that are that are in that space? Because it is very difficult to be able to yeah. get in where you fit in while also feel like you're not giving up of yourself 
in ways that don't feel again authentic well uh the first thing i want to say is um i know i touched a lot on my organizing and uh my organizing and tournament experience prior but i as you say i do content a lot. I do a lot of content creation. I've been streaming for 10 years on Twitch and um, I have been doing vlogs and everything like that just personally for my own mental health, uh, Jesus, since I was about 22. Um, So I'm very, I'm very comfortable um, trying to express myself in both a video and audio medium when it comes to sharing. But one of the things that I've noticed is that especially when you are black or when you are a person of color and, and you want to grow in spaces like that, and you want to be, you want to be visible, you want to exist. There are like hot button topics that you can do because the black experience is so, um, so nuanced. It's so special. It's so, you know what I mean? Like so homegrown, like there are things that every single black person goes through. You know, I like, I think I was watching TikTok one day and like someone was like, what type of music would you cling to? And it was like, the the options were like Aretha Franklin. You know what I mean? Mm. Like they had, oh oh, man, they had, um, I'm I'm laughing right now, but I'm gonna say this, and you're gonna like lose your man. Like Diana Ross, who listens to Diana Ross when they need to clean something? Like you are deep scrubbing. You know what I mean? Like that's not that's not cleaning <laughs> music. That's like I have killed a body, and the next five hours are dedicated to making sure no one can know that another living soul was inside of my apartment. That's not cleaning music. Like don't even don't even start. You know what I mean? And then yeah. of course, <laughs> of course, you have the gospel music and everything like that. But like sure. those experiences are so predominantly just black and it's it's kind of crazy because when you when you create content about those moments you attract I feel like people that aren't just there because they had those moments you attract people that are there because they want to feed off that culture and I like to call them like people call them culture vultures you know what I mean um I try very hard to make sure that my content isn't about uh, my personal experiences in the same way that everyone just writes about. Because you can just do a skit about something that happened to you in fifth grade and make it funny. I can be mm. like, okay, I stubbed my toe when I was in fifth grade and some girl pulled my hair and said it was nappy. Right? I could do an exact skit with that and, and just add some punch up light and make it funny. Or I can take the experience that I felt there, um, grab the emotions and then move that into something else not as specific to me and still try to encapsulate. And that's what I try to challenge myself to do when I create content. Not just focus on... Um, something that exclusively shows the black side of Sharpie, but something that shows the human side of Sharpie as well. Because I feel like so often it's so easy when you make that one video that just shows your black experience for you to be caught in, okay, this is all we want to hear from you. This is all we want to do. It will get views, but it will get the wrong type of views. It'll get views from people that have never experienced that before and find it hilarious or funny or strange and are brought in by it, not people that necessarily relate to it. And that's the problem that you run into. And I think that's one of those conversations that I think a lot of a lot of us are trying to figure out the ways to Mm -hmm. to, you know, encapsulate that in a way that feels like you can use that as a moving forward uh, kind Mm -hmm. of energy. I think, again, like you, you nailed it when you talked about that that like making that content that feels like it pigeonholes you in, in lots of different ways. I think that the thing that I'm noticing often is and we see this when we see this most often when it's time to do a panel and yep. people are like, where are the black people who had to talk about black stuff? And I'm just like, I know yep. more stuff than just my, <laughs> my experience. My race, in literally, the, in my, yeah. literally. Yeah. Like, I am so much more than just that piece of the conversation. And I think 
one of the things that you that you talked about that I thought was really um, was really brilliant was how you talked about not building vertically, right? You want to build horizontally, and and, yeah. and talking about how you kind of grow not only your your I don't want to say persona because I think most of us are not trying to be someone else; we're being ourselves. But yeah. I think you know I want to hear you talk about that 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 concept because I think that is a way that you counteract some of that pigeonholed nature that we wind up seeing. So I want to give you the floor to talk about that for sure. Yeah, so the big thing here is it uh, does kind of tie in before, but basically you can't expect a space that wasn't built for you Mm. to reflect you or work for you in any way, shape or form. So basically don't expect the old guard ways to work for you as someone that the space isn't created for. That's not going to happen. Mm. What you have to do, um, a lot of people think that the answer is to find someone who already exists inside of that space and then to like have them be the next coming. But that's mm. not going to work because that person is only, once again, if you want to make it 50-50%, you can't rely on that one that 10% to suddenly give you the floor and then you create something that they couldn't even do and now create additional 40%. That's not how the structure is created. You have to create your own. You have to work with people that are like-minded, that are similar to you, that are, um, that are, of the same volition and the same thought process and the same, uh, I want to say just energy as yourself. And you have to work with them to build up something brand new. You can't keep coming to the same crossroads and talking to the quote unquote Illuminati and expecting things <laughs> to change. You know what I mean? Like, no, you can't. Right, <laughs> um, so it, it's really, really important in that instance that we start really trying to like innovate and create things. Uh, a good example of this, um, and this is kind of a, a little bit of an, uh, a newer school example, but title. Title did yeah. not exist before Beyonce was like, I'm not getting my pay at all. And her husband was like, you're right. We're not getting our pay. We need to set up our own music company and our own music streaming service for us right yep. now. It's yep. very successful. It is very successful. People will not tell you that title is successful at all. Mm-hmm. Nobody will tell you that. How many times have you seen the title playlist, the title playlist, the number one title artist, the number, the top 10 title artists? No, it's Billboard, it's Spotify. Right. You know what I mean? It's SoundCloud. Right. It's all of these other ones because the model of title is so good for artists. Mm-hmm. It's so good because it was created by artists for other artists. And while it may not be as palpable to the old guard, it is successful. It is doing what it came to do and it is thriving. Um, Another example that I want to showcase that I personally grew up with because I live in Northern Virginia, but I was born and raised in D.C., was BET. BET came out of Howard University. There were students, very educated students who wanted to work inside of entertainment, did not have any stations on cable television that would play or broadcast any of their arts. Howard University created a, a radio, a television station that was then broadcasted throughout the entire world. Yep. Right. The very first HBCU, uh, for those of you who may not know, it is historically black college or university is what an HBCU is. But Howard's the very first one. Um, The very first one, that is the same one that created black entertainment television, which has since I mean, that what BET now is such a different conversation. But the (laughs) thought process behind it and the creation of it is uh, the exact example I'm talking about, about building horizontally inside of a space instead of trying to change the space to adapt to you. You know what I mean? If you can't change it, make your own. That's huge. That's super important. Um, 
I think I, I want to dig into that really quickly, though, because course, I think course. I think one of the major conversations that we have heard in the past month and a half has been from black and brown content creators, especially black content creators, off the heels mm -hmm. of the George Floyd uh, murder, the video that went out that showcased and shared his death with the world, and the mm -hmm. gaming industry then doubling down in a, in a way that we'd never really seen before by mm -hmm. not only adopting the language of Black Lives Matters and 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 I'm air quoting writing for it for mm -hmm. about two weeks. Um, and the, the worry from the, from the space, especially from the content creative space was that in the ways that we usually see kind of vulturism come into our communities and, and kind of pluck things out or show, uh, signal up that those things are important to them and then leave. We've seen that, that thing that we all worried was going to happen, happen. Yeah. But I think that there have been folks in the space. I know I've been raising my hand kind of quietly about some of that conversation to say, and you nailed it with that con with that with that piece is like, don't expect the old guard ways to 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 work for you. I'm curious about your thoughts about the energy that you've seen in the space from not only our our side of that conversation, but again, from the the side of the the folks on the outside looking in. And I think I think you, you're nailing that part of the conversation. That's like we need to have our own shit yeah. <laughs> if we're if we're really going to expect things to actually change in a real way. I, I'd love to hear your thoughts about about how those things kind of connect in your mind. So uh, to me, a lot of it stems from people understanding where their money is coming from, mm. people understanding who their client base is, because it's really interesting. It's not that they don't see that we are a percentage, that we are a voice, that we are here. It's that they don't believe we are marketable. And mm. when I say we, I really want to establish that I'm speaking about Black people and people of color. Yeah. I'm talking about non-binary individuals. I'm talking about LGBTQA. I'm talking about all of it. Um, because the reality is the way that a lot of gaming is currently set up, it is not set up to amplify those voices in any capacity. It's not set up to be anything more than, uh, I, I don't, I don't want to like use the term virtual signal signaling. Cause I feel like that's a loaded term, mm. but it, it really just, it comes off as not really being down for the cause. You know what I mean? Sure. Like there are a lot of companies that when they see that there is a certain percentage of a market that they do not encounter, it is very easy for them to be like, okay, we can just hire this one person and then we will corner that entire market. We can just say this one platitude and then we can corner that entire market. And the problem with that is that these percentages that they are going for are so incredibly abysmally small mm. that even if they get a fraction of that percentage, they are happy and it doesn't matter what platitudes they have to do to say it, they will. Um, when it comes down to it, I believe that the problem that exists is that they understand that they can continue to dangle carrots in front of us, showing that uh, showing that we'll have a chance of becoming something more. You know what I mean? And that's really what everyone keeps holding out for is this opportunity to becoming more, to have voicing at the table, to do this and that, when in reality, that option has never existed for us, that the space was never created like that. I laugh a lot 
at people that kind of like think that, um, you know, when when someone's like, yo, uh, tweet us this thing and retweet this and we'll see if we can consider you for this. Yo, how how uh, use this hashtag if you really want to see this person inside of this role, because it's like, you know, their contract is not based off how many tweets they get. You know that, right? Like mm. everyone understands that. Because I, because that's, that's, those are the, those are the things I'm talking about. These are platitudes. These are things that don't necessarily matter. These are, these are hoops that they make people go through in order to increase that percentage, even if nothing happens on the back end. You yeah. know what I mean? They will yeah. capitalize completely and totally off of your experience without providing any form of, I, 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 I want to use the term, uh, real growth, real stability for the person they are taking that experience from. Yeah, you know what I mean because they yeah. see it as just instantaneous and just regurgitatable and consumable. You know what I mean? Like it's gone. We can go find another black experience in five years, and that's good. That's it. Mm. We're done. We posted yeah. our tweet. It's over. You know what I mean? Um, when you create a space, when you start building, when you when you actually have that environment that was created for you, um, you're not gonna see the same type of growth. You're not gonna see the same type of consistency. You're not gonna see the same mm -hmm. type of metrics that the old guard used to measure because they're measuring something completely different. They're measuring people ad nauseum. You know what I mean? They're measuring mm -hmm. the entirety of a percentage of a percentage of percentage. You don't have to focus on that. You just have to focus on resonating and expanding your personal voice that's where I think we get lost. We get lost in the sauce because everyone tries to tell us it's about numbers when it's not. Yeah. None of this is about numbers. Yeah. I didn't start playing video games because I wanted to see how many people would watch me play video games. I started playing video games because I enjoy video games. Yeah. I started making videos talking about uh, my day in my life because I wanted to be better about talking my day in my life. I didn't do that because of how many people were going to watch me do it. You know what I mean? And that's where that that entire like metric starts changing you know um i want to kind of go back to the title um metaphor that i uh, and simile sure. that i used before where uh there are a lot of metrics that go into singing songwriting and uh, music in general right and, and the number one metric that a lot of the quote unquote old guard uses here is record sales yep. you know what i mean an artist is as good as and as many records as they sell and so one thing that you saw eons ago, back before streaming music was even a thing, was people would consistently go on tours, people would consistently be on the radio to sell records. You would mm. have artists that did nothing except tour and be in the studio making records. They would then they would start touring again and then they would be inside of this uh, be inside the studio making records. And that's how they lived. You know what I mean? That's still kind of how artists live a little bit now. Like you still see it, but it's a different metric that a lot of people are measuring now. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you have to change the way that you look at that growth, right? A metric, um, that I would like to liken itself to is instead of maybe looking at record sales, maybe you just look at stream time. How many mm -hmm. people were actually listening to your song? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, here's another metaphor for YouTubers, right? You know, people love to focus on how many views did this video get? Why don't you look at how many people engaged with that video via comments? Why don't you look at how many people are consistently coming back every single time to talk to you about that video because they feel like it resonated with them? Yep. Why don't we talk in terms of people instead of in terms of views where it's being sent to like huge, uh, huge view bot farms and like the middle of nowhere, third world country type thing. You know what I mean? Like stop focusing on these metrics that the old guard cares about because that's not what you need inside of your community. You need to decide what metrics are important to you. What metrics actively show what you're trying to 
focus. If I'm trying to focus on making sure that I have an environment and a community of people that are like-minded, that have people that are here exclusively to create, I'm going to find a metric that helps measure how how many people are willing to create, how, how, how people are willing to create inside of that metric. Maybe it's not in terms of how many people view it. Maybe it's in terms of how many videos they come out with. Maybe mm. it's in terms of how many times, how many times they come out with serialized videos. Maybe it's about how long those videos are instead of just you know, maybe it's about the actual content inside of the video. Maybe it's yeah. about the amount of editing they put into it. Like there's so many different metrics besides just views, besides just bodies, besides just people. And we don't focus on those metrics because we're so concerned with trying to appeal to the already established force. And that's dangerous. What I'm talking about right now is very dangerous. And I agree. And I think one of the things that, 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 that I always lean on is because there was a lot right there that that, that got yeah, there was. you. Dro you dropped a lot I of gems. Lost, I definitely went a little bit deeper than I meant to. I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry no, no, to whoever no. I offended, but I need to speak my truth right there. No, no, no. <laughs> but, no, but I think that there are a lot of gems there. And I think the mm -hmm. one of the things that I was constantly in my own mind kind of saying and, and then started to kind of vocalize online too, and, and it kind of came out of a, a feeling of frustration, right? Where I know there are so many dope people in our community who are content creators. Yep. There are a couple of things that I know having done this for almost a decade is one, there isn't going to be enough spots for everybody. Nope. That's just the way the numbers work. There's just not going to be enough spots for everybody Two, If you build out a really compelling story about why people should be paying attention to your stuff, there is a, there's a niche in a spot for you. And I think when we yeah. talk about white spaces, cause this is what we're really talking about. We're talking about white yeah. spaces intruding on. You said it. I said, you it. said it. I said it. It's my show. I can say that shit. Yo, it's white, it's white, it's white spaces that are coming into black communities and peeking behind the corner, behind the corner, like that Kim Kardashian gif that'd be like this Ooh. and being like, so what's in that, what's in that room? what you got in that bag, right? It's like, what's in that space that we want to take and, 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 uh, commodify or, you know, monetize in that way without actually caring about the culture that's in there. So I think that there's a space for us to take a step back. Cause I saw a lot of conversations around, um, well, where is all this energy that was here in, in June? And the thing I was saying out loud was, why does it matter mm -hmm. about the energy that was here in June? What are you going to do to continue to be sustainable in a space in an industry that still, just like you said, doesn't understand the culture, only mm -hmm. understands the, the surface layers of the, of the culture and only knows how to talk about the surface layers of the culture. You can build up mad dope stuff just off of what we have to do. And again, talk to the folks who understand it. It is that yep. BET method. It is that grow your own method. It is that part of the conversation that we really need to dig into about building our own structures, as opposed to just leaning on the ones that are built on quicksand when it comes to it in real ways. Right. So, and I want to add something please, really quickly please, please, to please, that, please. but I, I do want to say that it's something that I feel like black people specifically have had to excel at doing because we get to an eventuality where we realize there's no space here for us. Yeah. You guys were never going to give us a spot at the table. It right. was never enough. 
You know what I mean? I will even use President Obama as an example. That poor man spent all eight years fighting with Congress the entire time. What what power did he have? Good friends. You know what I mean? And, And not to get too political, but like there are so many times where you will be that one person inside of the room. What do you expect to change? What do you expect to do? You know what I mean? Like you find out, oh yeah, the answer this whole time was not by playing by their rules, but by creating my own out of my own power that I gave up to them to play by their rules. You know, you really have to acknowledge that the same power that they have now that they're receiving. And once again, very specifically in your words, we are speaking regarding the white experience coming and taking um, from the black experience here, that same power that they use to do that is the power that we give them by giving them our energy, by giving them our retention, by giving them our views, by giving them our downloads, by giving them our stream, all of that is going to them. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not power that they received. It's not power that they bought. They, 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 they traded that commodity to us. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and we endorse that. So can continue. finish your, finish your, finish your thoughts. Sorry. My, 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 my point here is that it's very important that as African-American um, historically, uh, we establish that we've always literally had to do this. What I'm saying is literally nothing new, but it's such a radical concept inside of gaming that what I'm saying sounds so fresh. It sounds crazy. It sounds insane. There are so many examples of other split spaces. Like I mentioned, I mentioned several before. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so many examples of black people doing this in different industries. I don't understand why it hasn't been done in gaming. I, think I really the, don't. I think that there's a couple of different layers to that, right? Like, mm-hmm. and I don't want to go down stereotypical paths of like the crabs yes. in a barrel conversation. Cause that's, I don't think that's fair. And I don't yeah. think that's necessarily, um, worthy of, of giving it much air. We know some statistics. We make up 2% mm-hmm. of the industry, mm-hmm. 2% of an entire industry. Right. So again, when I say that there are not a lot of spaces for a lot, not a lot of people, 2% is what we own. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's just from a a person who makes games, parts of that conversation from a consumer Mm -hmm. base. We own a much larger percentage of that pie. And and to me, I think that is where a lot of our power actually lies is in your wallet. We have a lot of folks who are on the internet who want to be hot and mad, hot and mad and loud which I think you need some of those folks to be in the space. You need flamethrowers in some spaces. You need people to throw that Molotov cocktail into the room and be like, yo, we let it if you're not visible, I understand. Yeah. Can't do nothing if you're not visible. But I think the, the folks who still in that space don't galvanize that energy to move people to not spend their money in a space. And I mm-hmm. think that is where you actually have power to change the way that people look at not only what we bring to the table, which I, which I will say to the end of days is a lot because our culture moves all cultures first. We are the first movers Mm -hmm. in lots of different spaces. But I think the, the idea that, you know, how do we make this thing better and, and, and bigger in some ways, like you said, isn't a new concept. We've been trying to figure this thing out for a long period of time. I just think of that. There are some folks who get into the door and, and don't necessarily they, they pull the ladder up and they're like, yo, I got mine. I'm not, I'm not helping nobody else out. And then it's, which people- is the 100% there, right? It's just, it's frustrating watching it happen over and over 
and over and over and expecting something to change. Yeah. You know I what mean, I mean? I mean, I, I, I will, I will back up a step and say like, you have a moral obligation to do that. I, that's me personally, because that's my, my, my own personal philosophy is like every room I that I want, every room I wind up going into, I may not say it out loud, but I got the community on my back. I'm trying. Right. I look at it that way. Cause I know too many people have helped me get through doors. Um, Understood, yeah. But I think that to a certain extent, like we as a community have to understand that, like, we actually have power here. I go yep. into every conversation at my actual day job making that point because I know people understand it. Um, yep. A good question from the chat, actually, that I'd love to love to surface. Uh, Crookshanks uh, 1394 asks, can we talk about how to appreciate the culture versus covering what's in that bag? Read that Kar- Kardashian gift. Oh, I would love to. Oh my goodness, I would absolutely love to. Uh, can yeah. I, do, I? I know. I know this. I know we are we kind of like on forty-five. Nope. We okay, got really, time. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. I would. That's such a great question. Yeah, it was a fantastic um, question. So one of the one of the problems, like like we stated before, obviously, is culture vultures. You know what I mean? Uh, people that that come in to just consume and then they leave. So appreciating appreciating content, appreciating the culture, really comes back to making sure that the, that culture is sustainable mm. when you use it. It's about being respectful and responsible. A good example, I feel, would be when you are drinking milk. Right. If you go into the refrigerator and you see that there is some milk in there and you have decided that you now want milk, but you see there is very little left. Right. And, you know, if you get that very little bit of it, you're going to probably have to be responsible for going out and getting some more milk later so that the next person who comes along will have milk. Right. Taking that responsibility on yourself to do in either the future or the present is very important. And that's kind of what I'm speaking about here. When you use the Black experience to create content or to uh, create something that you are attempting to, to use to access the Black community, you are responsible for making sure that it is sustainable mm. and able to be replicated and able to help future generations of that same Black experience that you took it from. Because that was somebody's personal experience that they are giving to you, that they are entrusting you with. And that responsibility is so incredibly important. That is why, once again, I state it is very, I am very careful about the type of content I create because I don't want someone to just be able to come in here and take my experience without me understanding and giving it to them. Because people do that. Mm -hmm. I'm aware of people that follow me that exclusively to do that. I'm very aware. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. Since I've started making content, I've had a lot of people follow me that are now like, oh, well, I understand fighting games because I watch Sharpie. No. You understand my version of fighting games Mm. because you watch Sharp. You don't understand the fighting game experience. I do. And if you would like to access that, you will speak to me or you will speak to the community and you will do it in a way that's sustainable for us. You Mm. see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That is what I am speaking regarding. And that is very important. I think the Kim Kardashian gif is an excellent example of that because Mm, this is going to be polarizing, but I'm going to say it because I feel it and I'm speaking my truth right now. But the Kardashians are an excellent example of people that do not necessarily put out that same energy that they are taking from the black ex- community. All right. The Kardashians are not African-American. They are people of color. They are definitely people of color. They are not African-American. A majority of their empire is built upon the time, energy and money of the African-American community. And it's not necessarily put back there in any 
specific manner whatsoever. I would love to see how much money they are putting back into the exact same communities that they're taking their money from. I would love to see it. Mm -hmm. I would love to see all this wealth that they've acquired being put back into the African-American community because, honey, I'm not seeing it. And if someone would like to prove me wrong, I would love for them to. I would love nothing more than to finally be like the Kardashians are doing the right thing. I can't talk about them no more. But it's so often that you see it happen because people are able to monetize the community without putting anything back into it. And I'm tired of it. Oh, my God. I'm sick and tired of it. I mean, that's that is beyond bars. (laughs) <laughs> because because I think, again, it's like this conversation around how do we want to move forward? I, th- I think a lot of people are stuck in the like, yo, why nobody hooking me up with the thing? And I, I got good stuff, but nobody's seeing it. We understand that that's a huge part of the problem. Visibility is a huge issue within our space because of multiple angles and multiple layers. We live in a really saturated market with way too many people who are streaming. That's honest. Like. The people, the, the thing that people don't want to say, and I'm gonna say it, and I'm gonna get in trouble for saying this, is like streaming is is a semi sustainable thing. Go off. Semi sustainable. Go, off. Go thing. off. What people yes. really have to understand is this should be your second job. If you mm-hmm. want this to be your job, this should be your second yep. job. Should not mm-hmm. be your main job because yep. you're banking on too many things to go right for you to make this thing something that you can continue to get sustainable, live off of money. If you want to do Talk this thing as it. your side gig and like make extra change to pay some bills and get some stuff, hopefully you'll get to that place where you can grow and then become the streamer that you want to become. Mm-hmm. But those odds are at this point, smaller than getting into probably the NBA, which if you know it's about ridiculous. those stats are astronomically small. And yet they're still continuing to push the narrative that it is accessible to everyone, that we can do it. Because why? Because they want what now? Money. Okay. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. We're on a platform. Look, I I will say this to the nth degree. I have many, many friends that work at Twitch. I -hmm. am very thankful for the spot that I have been given because of Twitch. It has given me Mm -hmm. a, a way to have dope conversations like this with you on a larger platform than most people have. I also understand it is not sustainable to do things in the way that you need to do them to get as big as I need to get. It's just not going to happen. I'm not going to be on here for eight hours a day streaming, talking to people about Kardashian gifts because I ain't going to happen. It's not going to work. But I think (laughs) there is a space for people to understand that you can absolutely use this platform to do things that you never thought you could do before. And I 100%. think that is the crux of what people really need to pull into their mind, body and soul and say, oh, I can do the, I can do something here and put myself on a, in a space that gives me more visibility than I could have ever had. And I think that's the beauty of the space. That's the beauty of what you've done with, with Combo Queens and, 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 and what you've all done in that, in that space too, which is like you're giving people community, you're giving people spaces to be able to be their full selves and to use their time, talent and and, and gifts in a way that is ones that you don't really get a chance to see. So, yeah, um, uh, we're, we're, we're running out of time, but I but I want to give you the floor to, to, to tell the folks at home, like 
we got a we got, we got a lot of different topics tonight, and I'm, I'm I could keep you on here for like two hours and just like. No, I'm stuff. so sorry about that. <laughs> so, so that means that that means that one, we have to absolutely have you back on the show. So that's going to be a thing that happens for sure. But I want I want to give you the chance to talk a little bit about or, or give folks at home a, a little bit of a gem to, to to walk away with. I think that there are so many different avenues that we've talked about, but I think there's a if there's one thing that you want people who are in this space who again who are trying to get bigger, who are trying to build community, who are trying to figure out ways that they can be useful in the space while also continuing to be authentically themselves. What would you say to those folks? I would say your worth is not determined by your metrics, Mm. that you are special, that you are deserving of the same energy that you put out into this world. And that at the end of the day, if what you are doing does not make you happy, do not continue to do it. You come before everybody here, all right? And the reality, um, once again, I'm speaking to you. I'm speaking literally to you, all right? I don't know your name. I don't know your face. I don't know your status, but I am speaking to you right now. And I need you to really hear and I need you to really understand me. There is nothing wrong with you. There is nothing, there is nothing fake about you. There is literally nothing that you are doing wrong as long as you are being yourself, as long as you are being true to you. All right. And these words may not make sense to you right now. You may not understand what I am saying. It may take a little bit for you to get there. But when you do, and I really genuinely hope you hear me, I hope that you are true to yourself regardless. All right. Nothing that anyone can offer you is worth is worth betraying yourself at any level, at any level. And I hope you take that and I hope you grow on that. I hope that I hope that really resonates with you. All right. Thank Yo. you so much. Thank you Yo. so much for giving me the platform to speak. I got that. people in the chat crying right now. <laughs> I, got people I don't know who did, but someone needed to because I'm gonna be real with you guys. Sometimes I need to hear that. And this that same that same word that I just gave you guys, sometimes I need to hear. And no one is saying it right now. No one is saying it to us because you know why. You know why no one says it to us, right? Mm. Just acknowledge it move on and grow from that experience y'all like it's so important we are special we are valid and we are deserving of love don't let anyone tell you different honey yo i got it out (laughs) if if there was anything else to leave your appearance on this first part of our show with sharpie you are amazingly dope again thank you so much for coming on to the show please let the folks at home know where they can find more of your information. We're definitely going to put this stuff up in our show notes and on the YouTube video for sure. But I want to give you the floor to let everybody here in Burkago know where they can find more of your dopeness. Thank you so much. Um, So the very first thing I do want to shout out is my website, which is www.sharpypls.com. Um, all of my social links are on there. I have a blog and a portfolio as well as an official resume. If you are super interested in everything I've ever done, I have a, a very visible resume that showcases everything I've ever done. So if you want to ask me questions about it, I'm very accessible on several different platforms. I'm on Twitter at the Purple Sharpie. I'm on Twitch at the Purple Sharpie. I'm on Instagram at the Purple Sharpie. I'm even on TikTok and YouTube. It's crazy. Um, but <laughs> I mostly want to thank you so much for giving me a platform to come out and speak to like-minded individuals about uh, the best way for us to remain visible inside the space because it's so important. And it's things that I feel like people consider trademark secrets when they shouldn't be secrets. They should. They mm. are instrumental 
to our success. They are instrumental to our future and they are instrumental to um, the next generation. It's very important that everyone knows how we succeed and that we all work together to accomplish it. So thank you very much for having me again. So I just have to say before I let you go, I knew that your appearance was going to be dope, but I know you're going to drop bars <laughs> like this. You dropped bars on this episode. I'm just trying to get here and spit. <laughs> Yo, you dropped bars on this episode. Again, uh, if you're not following Sharpie on all the things, again, thank you for throwing those uh, links in the chat to our mods. Thank you so much for doing that. Again, like this is the reason why I love our show is because we get a chance to have folks like Sharpie on who are brilliant and who understand the space and understand the way that, again, our culture means something to this space. And I think, you know, what, what, what she shared about, you know, you having that, that, that understanding of who you are is a thing that is universal. We need to make sure that that's the thing that you keep and you hold on to in real ways. Um, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we're going to let Sharpie go and then we're going to do a little bit of news because we have one actually big story to talk about this week that that just blew up literally as of this day uh, that we're taping today uh so we're going to talk a little bit about that uh and then sharpie again thank you so much for, for rocking with us and being here with us in Chicago. we got to have you back soon so much so love honored to, you. to be here and i would be super super honored to come back and speak regarding anything uh you have a fantastic day very blessed Thank you so much. Sharpie is going to be on the rise for sure. Make sure you check out more of her stuff and, and give her some love. So we'll be right back in a couple of minutes. Hold on to your seats. We'll be right back after this. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to the Spawn of Me podcast. This is your host, Khalif Adams. Again, huge shout out to, to Purple Sharpie for coming through and just like laying it down on, on this episode. It is just fantastic what she had to share and she just killed it today. So massive love to her for, for coming through and, and spreading some love today uh, because that was definitely needed. My heart feels very full of hope and joy and lots of different things now because she just nailed it. Um, one big story, uh, for the week, I think it just blew up today and I think it was just massive. Uh, it was like a massive thing that we're still seeing. It's breaking news in weird ways, uh, because no one saw this coming in, in, in any form or fashion. So a day or two ago, uh, there was an update that happened, uh, on the, well, actually let's take a step back. The full frame of this conversation is is more involving not only just Epic Epic Games and Apple, but I would say also Microsoft as well, because a couple of days ago, the conversation around xCloud being on iOS platforms was one in which uh, we uh, had seen them basically say, we don't want to have, uh, this, is, this is Apple saying, we don't want to be able to have uh, apps on our platform if we don't get the chance to vet the games that are going to be within that platform. Weirdly, xCloud is somewhere in the ether where it doesn't fit into that part of the, the, the terms of service. So they said that this is a thing that they couldn't put onto Apple platforms and iOS platforms. Fast forward to today, which is the 13th of August. And there were some conversations happening a while for a while. I, even if you go back to Tim Sweeney's uh, conversation that he had at Dice, um, where he was talking about, you know, removing these walled gardens and he wanted 
to, to, to bridge out the conversation of saying, you know, Fortnite just as one sliver of what multiple parts of this new metaverse that we're going to wind up seeing is also really going to be, you know, constricted because even though it's huge, it's still going to have these weird barriers that it's going to have to go through to be able to get to the space where it's going to be something that everyone can, can, can deal with and it can be a part of. They have been taking steps uh, to make that a little bit easier for developers by giving them tools for cross-play, finding out ways to give them good deals on uh, revenue splits. All those different conversations have been happening for at least a year and some change. We've seen, you know, as a publisher or as a platform holder with the Epic Game Store, they've been doing some good work in terms of making it more palatable as opposed to platforms like Steam and others. So... An interesting thing popped up maybe a day or two ago where uh, the conversation happened where Epic on mobile devices gave a secondary option, a direct pay option, so that when you buy V-Bucks on the platform through Fortnite, you're skirting through and skirting around the revenue split that Apple usually gets by getting this direct payment option. So usually you can pay you, know, you double click on your device and you pay through Apple Pay or you pay through whatever the Apple vendor is that allows that to be there. Or they had this other option that would say, just pay us directly at a, at a discounted price. That resulted in a maneuver by Apple of them pulling down the biggest game on the planet from their platform. Again, this is unprecedented stuff that at least from my understanding of where we're at currently in the space to see this be a thing that's happening where... I've never seen a game this big get pulled from the store and there's no repercussions for that thing. So Apple pulled their game, pulled Epic's Fortnite from the store. Epic today um, put out a lawsuit. Basically, I don't know if they're suing them, but it's basically that they're suing them to say like, you are monopolizing the space by not letting us do this particular thing. And we don't necessarily want monetary compensation. We want you to basically just open up the walled garden um, so that we can do the work that we want to do, service our customer base in a way that feels good to us. And also weirdly, like, you know, makes puts Apple on its heels to say, like, you have to figure out ways to do this work. So what Apple, I mean, what Epic did today was they put out this video um, and it's nuts because this video is a riff on the 1984 a commercial that Apple put out uh, in that year that was referencing the same conversation of when Apple was the company that was looking to get people to buy in and to uh, pull down their own walled garden. So I want to play this thing because it's it's yo it's wild because they had to do this before they they definitely produced this thing because it's in engine in Unreal Engine in the Fortnite engine like in the Fortnite game engine, which is nuts in and of itself as a way to talk shit to another company be like, yo, I'm going to use my gaming platform. The one that is the one you took down to talk shit about you. Let's see what it looks like really quick. Uh, and then we'll talk about it right after that. Today, we celebrate the anniversary of the platform unification directives. For years, they have given us their songs, their labor, their dreams. In exchange, we have taken our tribute. Control. This power is ours and ours alone. We shall prevail. 
Yo, that joint is wild. Yo, it's wild because here's a couple of things. One, that was a really well produced commercial. <laughs> like, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, fault app. I don't, I don't fault Epic for, for doing what they did. It is a little bit weird. I'm not going to front. Like it is a very weird kind of thing to put, to put resources on that kind of thing. Like I, I was tweeting out about it earlier today. I was like, um, the person who got that email, cause again, this kid, this was already produced and ready to go with the hashtag, uh, free Fortnite. They knew things were coming. So they had someone on a team was like, got an email and was like, yo, we about to talk mad shit to Apple. I need you to get on Unreal engine, make this joint so that we can have it ready so that we can co coordinate that to go with our lawsuit and all the other stuff that's happening because legal had to get involved with that. So, you know, they already had it all this stuff is wild that that was a thing that someone had to like get into their email that morning and be like, Oh shit, I have to do this. What? What? Oh crap. So that in and of itself is bananas. The other part that just transpired a couple hours after Apple pulled down their, uh, uh, pulled it down from their store. Google did the same thing. So Google already pulled their pulled Fortnite as well from their store. So now like Fortnite is not on the Apple store. It's not on Google play store Two of the biggest marketplaces for mobile games on the planet until whatever beef that's going to happen right now is going to get fixed. Who knows what that actually means in the real term. That also means that players right now who have V bucks that they've purchased can only really use them until whatever update happens, uh, for the next update. Cause it's not going to work the same way from what I, from what I'm hearing. Um, so that's another layer to this story of like, you're kind of, because you're having corporate beef, putting your player base in a weird position again, wild as fuck. The other part of this that I actually care about, and this is the thing I actually give a shit about is because in the grand scheme, these are two huge companies throwing their e penises around. I think that Epic is in a good spot because this is a thing that the space needs. I've seen a lot of energy. That's like, Oh, two corporate companies, they're playing with each other and they're beefing. Like who gives a shit? The thing that I actually care about as an iOS user, one, them playing off of their own Apple commercial from 1984 with a player base that big definitely galvanizes the Fortnite community to be anti Apple in a way that you don't really think about, you know, we see people kind of, um, uh, using their audiences for, for bad reasons and in, in, in negative ways to galvanize people to kind of push against those folks. I think it's one of those interesting spaces now where you get to see Epic use that community in an anti Apple way when they already had bad, uh, bad PR because of them not letting Microsoft use xCloud on their, on their service. What I think, and I really care about is I really want all of this to result in Microsoft putting xCloud on, on iOS, because that's the thing I actually want. Like if Fortnite goes back on iOS, I don't care if Fortnite lets you use their own version of the, their store as a pass through or whatever version you can just usually did it with. I don't really care. I really care that this may be the thing that gets Apple to lay down a little bit and let xCloud become a thing on 
actual iOS devices, which is, I think is the actual thing here. Uh, TDH in the chat says, do we think Epic and Microsoft are kind of teaming up on this? I don't know if they're, well, here's, here's an interesting angle to that. And I don't know if this is true. This is pure speculation. So I will say that off the jump. We did see during the summer of games, two companies talk very highly of each other in a way that was really interesting. Um, we did see Epic talking about the PlayStation five as the, not, 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 not the place that they wanted to do that work with, but Tim Sweeney was really high on the technology within the PS five. He was not that high on the conversation around the Xbox series X in the same way that he was talking about the PlayStation five. So I don't know if that is a thing. I don't think there's like some cahoots that's in that space. I do think that the folks at Epic are very, very smart. And they saw that there was a space there that once Microsoft had been turned down, uh, in terms of using their, their services and using their technology on a space that they were like, Ooh, this may be the way that we can figure out ways to help them kind of turn the screws a little bit for sure. I think that makes a lot of sense. So are, are they in cahoots? I doubt that. I don't think that that's the way that that works. I think Epic is very shrewd in the way that they did this though. And they definitely deserve props for, you know, using an opportunity to try to get what they need done, done. Um, I think that is very smart. Um, but I, again, like this is very much in flux right now. We're like, I don't have any answers. I don't even know what the latest scuttlebutt is. Cause I, we had to do the show tonight, but it will be really interesting to see what pops off in the next couple of days. Who is the folks, who are the folks that are going to kind of, you know, back up a little bit and, 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 and put their, put their guards up and who are the folks that are going to kind of push forward. This is going to be probably one of the biggest stories of the year already, uh, in terms of gaming, because this then often opens up conversations about, and I don't think this will happen, but I think it opens up conversations about the ability for other vendors to then think about the way that they want to kind of maneuver their virtual currencies and things like that. Like, is that a thing that 2k then decides that they want to do because they have a mobile app that works in that same way? Will they want to skirt past them so they don't have to pay them money on, on the V buck side. Somebody brought up Grand Theft Auto. I don't know if you can buy Grand Theft Auto shark cards on mobile, but is that a thing that we wind up seeing happen too? I doubt it because again, you already have an infrastructure that works well. Why, why fuck with the thing that actually works well? So this is the thing that we'll be paying attention to. We'll be doing updates on this for sure. Um, one other thing that I didn't get a chance to do graphics for, uh, that came up that was fairly interesting was the, uh, the Xbox series S, uh, which I think is the actual name for it got leaked a little bit, uh, because of the controller that got shared, uh, as a singular, uh, controller that was separate from the box. I talked about that being a thing that's going to be interesting as well. Once we see that that's going to be talked about also shit, I totally for, almost forgot information basically got shared out as well that the Xbox series X should have a November launch date, which I think again, not confirmed from Microsoft. So I don't want to necessarily spread rumors, but enough people have shared it that I, that I could believe that November sounds like it might be the actual date sometime in that month that we actually get an Xbox series X out into the world. That makes a lot of sense. And that also 
then moves a lot of conversations around Xbox, you know, Halo being delayed, which was also a part of the conversation this week um into another space too which i think is really interesting uh the tldr of that for me because i don't there's not a lot of meat on that bone actually is i am happy halo is halo infinite is getting a delay like i think halo getting a delay is smart um i i think them being able to take the time that they need to make that game the game that they need to as a flagship title for that platform is smart but it also is one of those interesting things where the conversation around people talking about it was, oh, well, if Halo got delayed, that means that the Xbox is done. That means that joint is, is, is finished. It's like that joint is over with. And I was like, if anything, this showcases that, that Microsoft is very, very confident in what they're going to be bringing to the table. Even if you aren't, they are confident in what they have to offer for players when that box launches at launch, uh, you know, during that launch window. And I think the thing that again, makes this the conversation is less about whatever games you're going to be playing at launch. It, it really talks to how well they think game pass is going to continue to be the thing that matters the most to anyone who's in that Microsoft ecosystem. And I would, I would absolutely agree with them. Again, game pass is still the best, best thing going it's going to continue to get better when you wind up getting those games into the pipeline and to be honest sony only has one game that i'm really excited about coming out the gate and that's miles morales that'll be you know another spider-man game that's going to look really really pretty it's going to be cool but i don't see them being too many things in that space that's going to be that different than the previous game besides again the things that you have an expectation for new powers going to be really pretty going to run really well like i think that's going to be a thing that is going to be in that space anyway they microsoft needs a game two games that are going to be out during the time when the, the box launches that you're going to be really excited about but i think that in between that time you'll be able to still play stuff cross-gen on their new box with game pass that'll be in that space for you to be able to play um we will see um, just what that actually means when it winds up happening. Um, so we'll see again, uh, shout out to total nonsense in the chat who says we got a decade long console cycles and they'll need to have it right at the jump. They just can't, uh, be total trash. Absolutely. Totally. You nailed that total, uh, in the chat. People are really jumping on this bandwagon of like, yo, this means the Xbox is done. Nobody's done yet. Like nobody, nobody's done yet. There's going to be so many things that are going to pop off in that, in that time frame for the five year. I, Cause I don't think it's a decade long console cycle anymore. I think we get five years, you get five to six. I don't think it's going to be 10 anymore. Like we used to see. Um, but I will think that the ecosystem is going to be very different in the way that we used to think about it in the way that winds up playing out now. And that's going to be the thing that actually matters for things going forward. So, yo, we had a lot this week. We had a lot of stuff on, on the plate. We got a fantastic guest in Sharpie again. Uh, you know, this is going to be a lot of fun to be able to, 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 to put this show up, uh, this week. Uh, we also have our show that we have with, uh, Zoe Schneider from Fuser that goes up the week after that. So we have lots of cool stuff that's going to be coming in to that conversation for sure. Um, and we have some, uh, one of the surprises is coming, I think closer than later. 
uh, I've been teasing this stuff out for a minute. Um, maybe some cool stuff that, that that's going to be coming down the pipeline for sure. Uh, they just keep rolling in, but it's really, really good. So again, thank you everybody for coming through tonight. Thank you so much for hanging out here in the chat. Uh, you know, we're going to figure out a way to host someone as well. Uh, and, and raid some some dope folks on 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 the platform. But for everybody listening in podcast land, everybody listening here in Twitch land, everyone listening, all of the residents of Bracago, again, thank you for rocking with me this week and every week on the Swan and Me podcast. And uh, we'll see you all next week when we have more dope stuff to talk about because we got more things in store uh, and it's going to be super, super fun. So mad love to you all. Please take care of yourselves. Do what Sharpie says, yo. Give yourself some love. Give other people some love. Um, and then we'll see you very, very soon. Much love to you all. Peace.